Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, uh, this is Trevor Wyckoff. Um, this is a song I wrote very recently. Uh, it's called Justify, and it's kind of about having time to follow your interests after uh, having a long work day. Um, this is Porch Talk. Shrouds my heart 
How do I justify my lack of creation? Will I have time to live while trying to survive? How do I justify? Are the scales even mine to balance? Can I even come up with another move to fit into this old song and But for now, I'm okay that my self-actualization is found in my immediate sensations. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. We are in Starville, Mississippi. As you just heard, I have Trevor here with me. Yeah, pleasure to be here. And so, uh, I learned about Trevor through the McGowans and through... Uh, the most recent uh, thing at the idea shop for Joseph Garland. It was a uh, it was an art show, and they reached out to Trevor to, or I don't really know how that went down. Did they? How how did that come to fruition? Yeah, um, Joseph Younger McGowan um, reached out to me about doing some classical guitar stuff because um, I guess that's part of what I'm known for, and. Uh, I just, I just thought it would be a super cool idea. I like um, the McGowns a lot. Um, the idea shop's a pretty cool little spot. Um, they were some of the first people that I met uh, even before coming over here to work in Startville. Uh, it was through art festivals. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Joe's a very older Joe. He's <laughs> a very eccentric guy, and, like, you can't walk by his booth um, Without him wanting some kind of reaction, yeah, they're um, they're two really cool people in the Starkville scene, and I think if you are in the art game, even in the slightest, as just like a bystander, those are probably the first two figures you meet. I would think. I agree with that. I mean, they're responsible for Sunday fun days and like yeah. a lot of the great things that happens within the arts. I, I go back to Expression Fest. Uh, when Jamie Rogers of, you might remember Fat Axel or now Night Surf, uh, the band, uh, and I, I co-sponsored it with the McGowans. Uh, Jamie had reached out to me and be like, "I want to put on this festival," and I was like, "Let's go." Yeah. Whatever, whatever I can do, you know. So, and that's that's their heart, and uh, the art is very important uh, to uh, the town, uh, to the culture. 
Uh, I believe if you have bad art, you have bad culture. If you have good art, you'll have good culture. It's that easy. That's uh, it's definitely something. I mean, I think one of the greatest things about Starkville is, like, bad or good, there's an abundance of art. And honestly, I don't even think it fully stems from the university. There's a lot of people that just live here and do a lot of really cool things, even if they're, you know, they're not at art school or in school at, at all, really. Yeah. And so to get to you, uh, Trevor, are you originally from Starkville? I'm not. I'm originally from uh, Dothan, Alabama. I came here for school. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'm a I'm Alabama native myself. Yeah. Um, so why Miss <laughs> why Mississippi State? Oh, uh, originally, and plans have changed. But I originally came to Mississippi State um, for vet school because um, vet school here in the undergrad vet program are really. I think really cool, really interesting, and uh, that was a uh, that was kind of what I thought I wanted to do when I was eighteen. Um, and then afterwards, like literally a semester later, I changed my major to music because that's kind of like the only thing I could really stand. Yeah. So, what about music? How did music come into your life? Was it you know through maybe the grandparents playing records, or were your parents musicians, or what did that look like? I actually feel like I had a really slow introduction to music. Um, I think my family is pretty musical. My dad played guitar. Um, my mom played piano. Um, but it was it wasn't until like I was like twelve or thirteen, and I got into just like YouTube music. And I think there's some kind of like subconscious like I don't I want to find my own thing before I you know liked everything that that my parents were were showing me um and then later when I was maybe 16 or 17 got more into punk rock and that's kind of like how I fell more in love with guitar I've been playing guitar since I was like 12 or 13 but never seriously until I got into like I was really big into like My Chemical Romance and then later on Smashing Pumpkins and that was like kind of I don't know it was like the summer before I came to college I fell in love with Siamese Dream and I was like Yes, I want to play guitar for the rest so of my life. So one of my favorite Smashing Pumpkins albums. Yeah. Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness might be number one. That's totally fair. I think um, I think I, Siamese Dream has always been an album that I think can think of that I fell in love with immediately. I don't think there's a lot of albums out there where I was like, the first listen, I was like, yes, this is it. But I was, it was actually, it was kind of a funny formative experience because I was on my way driving to Starkville for orientation and listen to it for the first time. And that was, uh, I don't know, just feel like it. Who put you on it? Was it like just a random playlist? It was, yeah, it was like, it was like, oh my gosh, it's like one of those, those awful things. It's like uh, 4chan has this like big like compendium of like the best music ever. And I think it's just on like kind of like one of the rows. It's not like top, they're like top 10 or whatever, but it's just in there. And I was like, um, Smashing Pumpkins is actually like a very, um, it's like a major influence on My Chemical Romance. So I think that was kind of like a natural transition for me. I was like, okay, let me just look to what they look to. Yeah. And so just back to Dothan for a minute before we step it up to today is just during those formative years, middle school, high school, uh, you say you really weren't in the music. You were just kind of, what were you into at that time? Um, when, when I was younger, like middle school, I was really into like video games. Uh, I grew up playing World of Warcraft, um, 
and I tried to be athletic. It, it never really worked out super heavy, but that's kind of what, you know, being in the South and being a guy, that's kind of like things that Absolutely. Seemed, that were pretty natural for, for me. And then later, when I, maybe when I was like 14, 13, 14, I got heavier into music. And I think like embarrassingly my first like musical awakening was like Eminem. I think um, I first really, really got into rap music and then later on like kind of regressed. I, and I wouldn't call it regress. It was just like funny that my parents listened to like rock music for their entire lives and raised me on it and I had to like go back to it. It's typically how it goes. Yeah. For real. Uh, and then we've talked a little bit about why it stayed and then why music. Uh, I really appreciated the song that you shared of not only the words. I would, I was, first question I was going to pose when it came to your songwriting was, are you familiar with Max Bemis? I'm not, actually. Say anything? No. So with... Uh, the way that you use words, and that is a big thing for Max Bemis, and I'm a huge Say Anything fan, is uh, my words are my weapons. And uh, that's that's a big philosophy for him. And also with uh, props to you for stepping out and using chords that aren't just natural for a singer-songwriter, right? Yeah, that's... I appreciate that. I think it's... um, I think the one of the fun things about writing music is like the even further simplification of it and i think that's a lot of what i try to do is just letting notes ring out like not fully forming chord shapes and it ends up i don't know it provides a different mood different color to um chord progressions and stuff like that yeah and even to uh smashing pumpkins which i don't i didn't catch a billy corgan chord but uh (laughs) I mean, Billy Corgan really changed the game with the way that he shaped. Like, yeah, he, he he would leave a lot of opens. He plays some weird stuff for sure. Um, just thinking about like the uh, the the harmony on uh, on Chair Rock, there it's like it's in E, but there's like a C chord, uh, which is totally against the grain. It, it's it's kind of weird, but it's in a, in a way that it works. And past like past like pentatonic rock scales which are like, I don't know, I think the way pentatonic rock scales are kind of just like, we've listened to them for so long that we get used to them being technically harmonically wrong, but Smashing Pumpkins took that a step further and like (laughs) really just put whatever chord they wanted to in a progression. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And so uh, in my... I went to trade school first, and I got an associate's, and then a few years later I would end up at a university, and my minor would be music. And I was in music theory, too. I did fine in the classroom. It was the lab work that I had real struggle with, uh, specifically uh, sight singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you made the note on the piano, I could do it. Yeah. But, like, if you just gave me a piece of paper and, like, sing this, I was like, well... I don't, I can't, yeah, I can't hear that. No, that's my, my exact experience too. I, I grew up pretty, like, I, I, my classes weren't super challenging. I went to a charter school in Alabama. Um, the first class that like kicked me in the ass was, um, was ear training one. Yeah. Like the lab part of music theory where I was like, I really have to study this multiple days in a row to get to a comfortable point. So yeah, I think 
it's a it's a really tough class for really anyone. And so I, I used uh, I was a guitar player, and I remember coming home early first semester at that college, and my, I was studying at the University of Mobile, and my friend was studying at South Alabama. We were roommates, and you know, sitting around the the table where he was fixing supper and I was just like you know uh hand on my brow and I was just distressed <laughs> and he's like what's going on man I said I cannot decide what instrument is going to be like my focus and he was you're a guitar player guitar <laughs> and I was like dude I have tried classical training on guitar in the past it's not my game so he's like, what's your option? I was like, I was thinking voice because I'd like to be a better singer. Best decision I ever made, even though I only had like three voice classes because uh, it totally changed the game for me. Like yeah. I was, uh, I was, uh, I had played a few shows out and uh, I would be more of a bedroom singer. But if it wasn't for those, I'll front a band now. <laughs> you know yeah that's um I'm comfortable with it that's a very i had a very similar experience when i when i transferred into the music department um i wanted to you know go full hog or whatever the saying is and i i signed up for voice lessons as like a non-major and it was it was so eye-opening just like no one ever teaches you how to sing i went one time i said to someone i was like no one ever teaches you how to breathe that's and right I think that was they, my they, biggest problem. They looked at you crazy. They looked at me crazy. They were like, um, "What are you talking about? Everyone can breathe." And I was like, "No, like to breathe and like fully form your words and put sound in different places in your your head." <laughs> uh, yeah. No one teaches you that. <laughs> yeah, and when like uh, when to breathe, and you know, like also posture. If you're a guitar player, it's nothing to be slouched over your guitar. Oh uh, yeah, that that is, or- that's it's a horrible habit. Yeah, it's but a bad I, habit. But I still do it. That or like craning your neck for a microphone, that's also really bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I think voice lessons um, with like a, a very qualified teacher, like the like the jump from like the skill level you're at to the skill level you'll be is like really fast. Um, like maybe once you're in like years of voice lessons, it'll be like more steady improvement. But um. I think I learned more in the first like five weeks of voice lessons mm-hmm. than I had in like my entire life. Yeah, and it, it was uh, it was it was awful because we were singing like classical, like almost it was opera style at this college, yeah. right? And I was like, I do not want to do this, and like I'm going home to my apartment, and my my roommate is just going to make fun of me, <laughs> right? And it, that wasn't the case at all, uh, but it was just the thing that we do is be like this is gonna suck yeah but it turns out it's for your gain you know yeah yeah for sure so uh how as you came up through uh the music program at state tell me a little bit about like establishing yourself uh just in the art scene here like how did joseph know that you know how did he know you to be a classical guitarist you know, I I will honestly say that a lot of my um, notoriety um, has has like kind of bloomed in the past year or so. Um, I I studied guitar from like I, I I transferred into the music department in spring 2019, um, and then I just graduated this past May. Um, so I was 
doing uh, classical guitar that entire time, and most of the time people are just like, oh, what are you studying? And I'm like, oh, it's guitar, but it's like classical. I'm playing like Bach, and most people lose interest, which yeah. is totally fair. Um, but um, around that time that I also transferred into the music department, I joined a band um, by the name of Celery Teeth. Um, I think they used to be pretty active in Columbus um, about five years ago. Um, and then that was kind of my first introduction to the art scene, I would think, is like joining a band and meeting people that are interesting. Um, and then around, you know, fast forward all these years through the pandemic, all the, whatever I was doing during the, those times. Around last year, I went home for the summer, and uh, we have a family friend that owns a local bar in Dothan, and she was like, you should play a show here sometime. And I was like, sure, whatever. I like, yeah, that would be great. And then after that, you know, you just build up a set list. I think it was just easy for me to continue doing that. And I, I think a lot of me being in the scene in Starkville has been uh, due to the, like, the community market. I do music there a lot. Yeah. And... It just kind of builds your confidence to play regular shows. I've probably played a a show a month easily, if not two, um, whether it be there or um, Munson and Brothers. Or at, uh, recently, I had my first show at Dave's um, as a solo musician. And I don't know. You just, I, I guess, I got kind of relatively close um, <coughs> with the McGowns, and he knew that I studied classical guitar. Um, and that I, you know, could pull off something like that. Um, and then he asked me to do it for the the Joseph Garland reception last yep. Friday, which was a hit. I it thought, was a it was a fun time. I thought was, they nailed it. Yeah, they did a really good job. There's a lot of people there. Um, a big thank you to the the Del Rendon Foundation, who is a huge supporter of arts in Starkville. The Rendon family. I feel like I see them at every cool event I go to. So. It was cool to see them there. Shout um, out. And to to host Joseph Garland is really, really kind of them. He's a cool dude. Very nice person. Yeah, man. Uh, it was it was good to uh it was good to meet him. Like uh I keep up with the McGowans and what they're doing. Because t- two years ago it was like mid pandemic, I reached out to them to have them on the podcast mm-hmm. and they were sharing with me and everything that they have built now didn't exist then. Yeah, uh, as far as like, like the, the, the compound, the cabin, yeah. and some of the other projects that they're working on, the new house they're in now, and I started just slowly seeing those things come to fruition, and then they were like, "We have our first paid art resident," and I reached out to Joe, and not only do I want to interview him, I also want to interview you again about this dream coming to fruition. And I just I think it's great. Yeah, it is and, really cool, and just through that. Uh, going to the idea shop and not only meeting you, I've I met uh, the guy who runs the idea shop, and I met some of the the other art people that I just haven't had a chance to speak with who are very supportive of the scene around here. Yeah, and that's a huge deal. And I, I think it, yeah, it definitely is a huge deal. Um, I think there's been uh, lately there's just been a lot of opportunities for like artists, whether it be. Um, different uh, festivals like Delfest or the Midnight Bazaar or uh, Sunday Fun Days. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that is really important, I think, um, because it gives people more confidence in their art, I think, to, like, go take their work from, you know, either, like, a notebook or digital and, 
you know, print it and people paying, you know, good money for it, I think is really encouraging. And it's also, I don't know, it feels good to, to say like, yeah, I know this artist, like I have their art there in town, they're doing cool things and I'm supporting them. That's right. And uh, I mean, you alluded to it earlier is uh, if you are a new musician or you're an artist who may be a little bit shy, maybe you're just working out of the bedroom right now, I think these opportunities are great for you to woodshed, even if you only play, you know, three to five songs, if that's all you got. I think yeah. it's I think it's a perfect, like, as a musician like who has been on the scene for some time, I would not mind backing you or, you know, like if you couldn't fill a time slot, I'll cover the red, whatever that yeah. looked like, right? I, th- I think a lot of, um, I I give a lot of credit to open mic nights, especially at Dave's. Yeah. Um, I just. Best in town. I just go, uh, go there. I used to go like every week. I've been a little bit more lazy recently, but, um, it just, uh, the, the people that are like the movers and the shakers in the music community go to that a lot. And I think, you know, there's a lot of talented people and you're not going to go up there and make a fool of yourself, um, to anyone. I don't really think, mm-hmm. um, and that's just kind of how I got more involved in stuff like that. Um, so there's, there's a lot of good spaces that are supportive of the arts currently, even in very small ways, just to get to a foot in the door. So moving it up to today, uh, now that you've graduated, uh, what's your next move? Are you going to hang out here in Starkville for a time, or what are you going to pursue? Yeah, right now I'm hanging out in Starkville. Um, I am mostly hanging out for my band, uh, Bad Data, who I think is... Uh, I don't know, I, I say this to everyone, I think everyone is in love with their own band. Um, oh, yeah. Rightfully so. <laughs> but I don't think you'd be in it. <laughs> yeah. uh, hopefully, um, things work out. We're trying to do more shows out of Starkville, um, grow some more following in the neighboring big old cities. Um, you know, you have Jackson, Memphis, Birmingham, but you also have Columbus and Tupelo and Oxford um, Tuscaloosa, um, a lot of little little places here and there that are also good for arts communities and um, just kind of getting our, our feelers out there. Um, so I'm probably going to stay in Starkville for a little while. I may go back to uh, school eventually for grad school, either in music performance, which may have to be elsewhere because state doesn't have uh, like a year-long program for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really... I mean, songwriting is like creative writing. Um, I liked creative writing a lot when I was in in undergrad, and um, the creative writing program here is really insane. Um, I think it's just it, it can almost be a no brainer just, just to get a master's in creative writing, just because of uh, states um, like policy for like free tuition if you work. Um, like it build, help you helps you build up a portfolio, and the creative writing staff at state is. They're just incredible. They're really nice. They're really supportive. Um, super constructive as well. So I might I might do that, but right now I'm just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit more about the band. Uh, tell me a little bit about the sound. Um. So our our singer, rhythm guitarist Hunter Walt, has been a uh, a figure in the Starkville music scene. I think for a while. Um, he's a grad student here, and he's. He's just been here for a while in bands. He was in a band called Twins in the past, um, but he's also 
just kind of been around other musicians that were active um, in like the college scene. Like uh, we were talking beforehand about younger people making music in Starkville. Yeah. And I think that happened a lot more before the pandemic and Hunter was, was pretty heavily involved in that. And a lot of his influences are, are like kind of folky. Like he really likes um, like pavement, uh, silver Jews, um, the microphones. Mm-hmm. So we have this like kind of folk rock core in terms of like rhythms. Um, and then the rest of us, which is uh, me, Susie Hunt and Theodore Bricado, um, we all we all used to be in the band Celery Teeth. We just have like a really heavy, loud influence. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is um, in our past, like, Queens of the Stone Age. Um, nice. Uh, I talked about Smashing Pumpkins, My Chemical Romance. So it's kind of like taking this folk rock thing and just making it as loud as possible. Um... And then the lyrics are a lot about kind of pursuing like truth and absolution, which I think is I, I kind of really enjoy it. I think it it feels like it matters, kind of what I how I feel about it is like finding um, a way to be yourself, finding a way to like uh, be comfortable with what you're doing and how you're living. Um, I think that's really inspiring to me, and it just feels like. You know, it's not just, um, and no, no shade to like love songs or anything, but it just, it doesn't feel like songs about girls. Right on. And so, yeah, to, uh, flip that coin, uh, we talked a little bit about it before we went going is something that's been on my mind. I'm 31 years old and I don't, I don't know, like about a 10 year difference between us. And I heard you talking like, we when you got into music it was through youtube music and so that part of an assumption i had is true and i was like well i believe their influences and how they found things was probably through the internet oh for sure but as far as are there just a ton of bedroom musicians from let's say 16 to 24 right now and 
why why am I not seeing them out? Where are they? You know, how can I find them? That's fair. I think um I think there can be a lot of pressure to be really good. I think the internet is a blessing and a curse that way because you see um there's a lot of people that make it basically, but the people that make it are these really talented musicians kind of, you know, doing crazy like loop projects and mm-hmm. everything else and they know everything about uh DAWs and they're great at multiple instruments. So it can be kind of daunting, I think, to be a young musician because you're just seeing uh, just like the best of the best. It's kind of like the same way I think like women growing up now kind of see like un- unusual beauty standards. Um, and That's also fair. I think, I don't know, it's just been, it's been a weird time in the pandemic where I think there's been less room for people just to get together and jam, um, less like house parties and stuff like that, where, I don't know, there, when I, before the pandemic, I would go to house parties and almost everyone there could play an instrument. And you could just, you could just pick mm-hmm. your lot, uh, line up on the wall and probably make a band. Um, and I just think that opportunity has not been presented to younger musicians at the moment, unfortunately. Um, well, to to someone who is older and I throw I would definitely be interested in y'all next year I throw a music festival at my house and, and now that I know that big data is that bad, right? bad data bad data yeah uh, definitely uh, you have a invitation to porch fest <laughs> uh, because I'll tell you this uh, I find music to be a young man's game and so if we were let's say you and I were sharing an evening People would be more inclined to you than they were to me because they want to hear what you have to say. I'm getting older, and I'm getting jaded. <laughs> and they're, 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 they they're want to know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that age to where, what, what is it, what are the youth singing about? Like, I, I love what you said about absolution, truth, and, like, there's this bit of My Chemical Romance, that angst, uh, that... After a while, I just I don't have it in me anymore. I think that's totally fair. Um, but that's there's that's also a great song song uh, idea is talking about um, not having the rage anymore. Um, and I think I don't know. I think that's kind of a great thing about music is like I I don't think it ever gets too old. I think there the elements of music that touch people. Um, are inherent and doesn't matter like the shininess of it or who makes it which I think is really cool um, I don't know I, I think a lot about I mean yeah well, we, well, this this can be fair I think about let's say Sturgill Ch- uh, Simpson he was middle aged and then I think on the rock scene I think about Greta Van Fleet who were very young guys mm-hmm. uh, who were absolutely killing it yeah uh, you, a lot of people don't like them because ripping off Led Zeppelin that may be fair uh, if you if you pulled up a Led Zeppelin video a live performance and a Greta Van Fleet live performance that there, there is a lot of commonality yeah, for sure that's fair and then I mean he's passed now uh, over the pandemic John Prine local national international folk legend so definitely not 
you know, maybe a young man's game is is not the the best term for it. But I I feel like if if I were to break out, the younger the better, right? Possibly, yeah. I would say that there's there's a lot of like excitement and energy. I think that comes with having um, younger musicians in the spotlight. Um, I I can think of like less baggage as well. Oh, that's fair. That's that's definitely fair. And I think a lot of um, a lot of the people that are like heavily into music and that follow it super closely are just around that age, which makes it more um i don't know i think that makes it more special if you you know let's say an artist um makes it big at the age of like 40 are they going to connect with someone that's the age of 21 or would the the person listening to the music rather connect with someone relatively close to their age um and i think that may be a little bit of the issue but i also think a lot of it is um just that youth is kind of exciting in a mm-hmm. weird way. Um, it's just exciting to see someone, um, you know, jump around on stage and do those uh, Robert Plant-esque stage antics and stuff yeah. like that. Um, even and if it is like a sound that isn't necessarily all that new. Yeah. And man, I, I was I was really encouraged and I hope it comes back, but your mention of like the house parties and all that, I... Of course, I wouldn't be invited. I'm an older guy now, and I'm not saying I want to <laughs> be invited. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying I don't want to. I, I, I'm not looking for invitation, but I, I'm I'm happy those things are still happening because when I was in high school and in my college years, uh, it was that same thing. And yeah, it was that Hootie and the Blowfish. It was kind of douchey around the campfire playing the song about a girl. But sometimes you would be in a party full of musicians and you were playing real songs, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that a song about a girl ain't a real song. It's just like, come on, man. You know? Yeah. It's, um, I'm, I'm really hoping that more original music pops up because I do think right now there's kind of an, un- an unfortunate lack of it. And I don't mean to say, like, we're the only ones doing it because there's, there's plenty of great musicians in Starkville. Um, you mentioned Old Memphis Kings, mm-hmm. um, Night Surf, um, plenty of people that are doing original stuff. Um, but it also feels like sometimes the venues uh, don't really care for it. Or if, um, you know, original music can be hard to like build a set list out for. So when so when uh, when a band comes onto the scene and they don't have like 40 or 50 minutes of music it it's not as uh, enticing for a venue to bill them unless you have like another band or two on the list because that's true they're not going to fill out a night and cover bands are just so good because audiences love them um people are going to dance to songs they know not and not usually songs they don't know especially i i love playing local shows but it's really hard to hear um everything that's going on at the same time so yeah and i mean to that point we had a great opportunity and i was thankful for the people at the brick house uh brutique and meridian uh, that allowed us to uh, do it of uh, my band cosmic gravy uh we uh broke the band down because each of us are songwriters in our own right and we invited another friend to come so we had five singer songwriters laid yeah. across the stage and that was the three-hour night of music, and we just passed the mic. 
Yeah, that's and really we would cool. and we would play lead on each other's stuff, right? <laughs> and <laughs> and that allowed each of us after the night was over, the owner approached each of us individually. It's like, come play. You that's, you got yeah. a spot. You it's got a, a really spot. good idea. But it, but it takes it takes a bar owner to be open to something like that. To be like, okay, can I really sell a show to where we got a singer songwriters round tonight? And I, th- I think yeah. like people who love music would be into it. You know? Yeah, I think so too. Because um, you have a variety. And I mean, to be honest, like I've I've ha- I've been booked for a three hour show solo. Yeah, I get tired of myself after an hour. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I feel the same way. I mean, that's a lot of a lot of what I do is like two or three hour sets, and I, I can imagine not only do I get sick of like doing usually relatively similar stuff at every show because it's hard to just build up more time, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I agree. I like. I like when it is like a, a showcase. I think those are the most fun. Because, um, you know, you pay to go to a show, and you're probably seeing like an artist you really like, but you see one or two other bands that um, you either know about or don't, but they're probably um, a little different, at the very least, if not very different. Um, I think there's been some cool tours recently with people that are like on to- totally opposite ends of the music spectrum, mm-hmm. um, which would be... Which I think is really cool. I think um, I think more people should more people that love music should be excited for those things. But I understand that they may not be financially viable, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's another thing about it, right? Because uh, and that's that's a big trap that it's it's easy to fall into. It's easy to be that cover band because you know oh. it's, you know it's going to sell. Yeah, it sells. Uh, it makes good money, um, and you get consistent shows. Um, and definitely no hate to the people that do it. Um, oh, yeah, I totally understand it. Yeah, I honestly, you know, I joke with, like, other musicians I know about doing one all the time just because it would be cool. a good s- source of income, really. That's kind of basically the only reason. That's it. So uh, when it comes to songwriting uh, for you, uh, and it may be different, for each song, uh, do words typically come first, or does a melody, or a guitar piece, or? A... You know, I, I feel like I, I write probably, kind of like too efficiently, and that's not like to humble brag or anything. It's just like I write everything at once, mm-hmm. so it's it's not always very, um, like thought out. Like, I think I usually pick a key, um, and. Classical training is good for telling you what's good in a key and what isn't, and where you can break the rules and where you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I usually do that, and then I have like some kind of topic in mind um, or a metaphor. I, I think things I'm proud of are when things I'm more proud of. Sorry, like songs are usually when metaphors come first, and then like the uh, topic of the song is built more around the metaphor than the the other way around. Because um, it can hard to be like it can be hard to be like uh, I don't know I'm gonna write a song about uh, love and then try to pick a metaphor to fit every thought you have about love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so melody, I kind of just goof around in the key and over the chords, and usually just kind of ends up working out. I think if I I have written songs where I, I piece out the melody and I play out individual notes and they end up feeling more intentional 
but I'm, I'm not sure if that's actually true or if that's just me, you know, subconsciously putting more effort into it. Um, so usually everything kind of gets written in the same time. Um, lyrics change over time. Uh, sometimes you write something in a certain mood and you realize later, like, oh, I don't actually think that way or maybe my feelings have changed. Um, I have a song about, like, I, I recently went through, like, a breakup with a long-term of a long-term relationship and at and when I'm writing a song about it I have these feelings of like uh this was never a 50-50 relationship it wasn't equal but in re- in hindsight um I realized all the things that we both did for each other and like so after 2 months of me having that song written I went back and changed things I think that's one of the coolest things about art um it's living uh, mm-hmm. it's going to take different forms at different times and change over time. Um, of course there is a, the, there's a point where you feel comfortable with it to put it out into the world. Um, but I think, you know, over time it uh, morphs and changes. One of my, one of my favorite things is, um, one of my favorite bands is, is Fleet Foxes and in their song, Helplessness Blues, there's like a line where he talks about, it's kind of it's kind of a small line, but um, he talks about um, his loved one, uh, presumably like a person he's dating, um, waiting tables and soon running the store. But over time, he's changed the lyric to "I'll wait tables while you run the store." Um, so just kind of showing that lines change, feelings change over time, <coughs> stuff like that. Um, I think that's a really gorgeous thing about all art, really, um, not just music. Yeah, I won't. Uh, I won't drop his name uh, because I am upset with him. Um, but this is, fell in love with his music when he was a younger fella, late teens, early teenagers. He's not from around here. He's from Texas, Oklahoma. I saw him first time I ever saw him live was at the State Theater here, mm-hmm. elbow to elbow. You, that room was packed, and the the band. The original band, I'll say the band, Cross Canadian Ragweed, mm-hmm. Texas Red Dirt, best there was. You know, you might say Randy Rogers Band. Today, you might say Whiskey Myers, and I wouldn't argue with that. You might even say uh, Black Cherry Smoke. I wouldn't argue with that either. Uh, but at the time, it was Cross Canadian Ragweed. And more recent interview that happened maybe five years ago of uh, – he was asked to play a song that he wrote that was off one of the first Ragweed albums. He said, I'm really tired of people requesting those songs when I wrote when I was a young man. Uh, I've got a new band and a new batch of songs that I'm wanting to play. And I was like, to me, now personally, I fell in love with your music because of those old songs. <laughs> and dude, I am not dissing you or your new music any kind of way. I just want to hear that one song. Then you can do whatever. <laughs> right? And I'm going to stay for the whole show. Now, like some bands that get it, like I'm a Chevelle fan, and I've seen them live three times, and they'll do their new music at the front of the set, and then halfway through the set, who wants to hear some old songs? And the crowd erupts, right? Yeah. It's like, these are the songs that we fell in love with, right? Yeah. It, you know, it might be that little bit of nostalgia. It's like... I was in the the locker room training for baseball, and 
we were listening to Chevelle, you know, that's where it takes, whatever, right? But Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, songs that you may not, I don't know, artists can feel the way artists can feel, because that's, uh, that's their art, you know, yeah. they, can, they can feel the way about it, but um, I don't think having older songs in your catalog that you return to is a bad thing. I think it's actually really positive to have, say, a song you wrote when you were in high school, and you're obviously like, oh, I've gotten better since then. That's good. Like, it's yeah. good to have your early stuff um, accessible, especially if people love it, yeah. um, because it shows your growth or change. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not growth. Maybe you just did something totally different. Yeah. Um, but I think, I don't know. Even if you're like, oh, I wrote this when I was 16, it's terrible, I was just, I didn't know anything. It's like, when you were 16, you really wanted that to be felt and known. And, and it is. I feel like you owe it to yourself to, to put that out there. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, unless you got some more things you want to cover, I've got three more questions to walk out the door. Uh, I don't think I have anything too crazy off the top of my head. Right on. Question one is uh with bad data or with your personal stuff uh where is the best place to follow and see what y'all are up to um the best place to follow bad data is on instagram um unfortunately we don't have any like full recordings right now Mm -hmm. um that's kind of the hope for this academic year is somewhere in the springtime is finding some studio time putting something out there um but right now we are uh on Instagram at underscore bad data underscore um, going in line with the, the code thing, with the double underscore. Um, and then my personal Instagram, which also serves as my promotional for solo shows, is uh, T-R-E-V-Y dot R-W. And there I usually promote anything I'm doing, whether it be uh, bad data, uh, celery teeth, my personal stuff, or um, right now I'm filling in for guitar at Rick's on Saturday with a, a friend, friendly band called Government Plates. Nice. Um, so that, that's where I talk about whatever I'm doing, usually. Well, dude, tell me a little bit more about Government Plates, because when I go by Rick's, I have been seeing it up on the billboard. What is yeah, that? Yeah, um, Government Plates is a, is a cover band, um, but they're probably, like, besides, like, people that I don't know about, they're probably, like, the most youthful band in Starkville right now. I think they're all um, either um, in undergrad or just got out of undergrad, basically. Um, they have some some wacky influences. The, um, the singer, um, Lauren, she was actually in school with me at State for Voice. So she's done opera and whatever yeah. else have you, and vocal styles. Um, and then you have like the guitarists have a, a lead and a rhythm who have pretty traditional, like, uh, rock guitar training, I think, um, like pentatonic blues and stuff like that. Um, but really diverse music tastes. Um, they enjoy like weird stuff like black midi. Um, they're all just, uh, basically they're all just really talented musicians. Um, and, uh, unfortunately one of their members couldn't make it. So I'm just going to fill in on rhythm guitar for them. Cool, man. Yeah. Question two, and this is for my guitar folks out there, is with the background that you have and a graduate of, well, about to be 
possibly working towards your graduate work in music or creative writing, but to focus on the, the music aspect of it. Uh, for those bedroom warriors, is if they want to improve their game on the guitar, uh, I preach scales and knowing every note on the guitar and where it is. What do you say? Yeah, I think that's that's a really great place. Um, fretboard knowledge is incredibly important, I think. Um, scales are really good, too. Um, the guitar is kind of a kind of a cheaty instrument in my opinion where like shapes help out a lot and you don't really have to fully know the scales but having uh, a music theory knowledge I think is really important for knowing how to play certain songs how to play certain styles Um, and then I think the best thing for guitar is just and this is anything, really, it's kind of a stupid, uh, duh answer, but diligent practice. I think uh, when I was in high school, I played guitar, you know, as a passion, but I wasn't playing it every day, being graded on it, um, like I was in college. And I think my growth was, like, exponential when I would be practicing over, like, a semester rather than the summer when I was kind of slacking off. Yeah. So I think, yeah... Having a basic understanding of music theory, scales, fretboard mastery, um, and then just practicing all the time. Um, however you find passion in it. Um, sometimes you just get inspired to play scales, um, but sometimes you kind of have to force yourself. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely not the, the most beautiful part of it. Oh, yeah, it's definitely not. <laughs> and I think I think some of the, some of the best ways to learn guitar or any music really is to find an artist that you really like and just go through their their like entire catalog yeah just learn everything that they've ever done and learn why you like it learn like what's hard what's easy about it why it works the way it does um that was kind of how i got a lot better at guitar was i was i just went through every my chemical romance song i could learned every riff every little fill when I started doing my solo shows, I'd have a few people um, like approach afterwards, and they'd be like, "You remind me a lot of Damien Rice." And for that reason, you just said, at one time I knew his entire catalog. Yeah. You know, it would him, Ray LaMontagne, Damien Gerardo, uh like all those guys that kind of fit in that same singer-songwriter vein. It's like that was the music that I was interested in, and that's what I was playing. Therefore, of course, the way that my influences are are going to have an impact on my personal songs. I mean, yeah, that's for sure. just, that's the style of play. Yeah, I think sing, singer songwriter is super cool. It's kind of like an oral tradition. It's like you you just go down the line from Cash to you know whoever's mm-hmm. the newest one. But um, you, I th- yes, I think everyone's been building off of each other for Absolutely. for years and years and years. Last question, walk it out the door. What was your favorite part of this interview? My favorite part about this interview was talking about um, music scene in Starkville. I really enjoy talking about the people that I like to see and listen to, um, friends I have. I think, um, I don't know. I think I, if I had one hope, it would be that like people start paying attention more to their own local music rather than just kind of like stumbling upon it. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's that hard. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm saying. I think if you, um, 
you follow like Dave's or Rick's on like their social media, they're going to announce the bands mm-hmm. and you're going to find them pretty easily. Uh, I think that's kind of, I don't know. I feel like I'm in tune with things in Starkville usually, but it's not really that hard. Um, there's a lot of things going on in Starkville, a lot of great things, but it's not like uh, Memphis where there's like four things to do every night. Right. Um, you can like hit them all if you're, if you're dedicated to it. Uh, that was, uh, you know, meeting you at the idea shop and just to reflect back to the beginning of the interview uh, with a, somewhat a bit of a haste to get you on the show. And that was my purpose was uh, I want to start attacking this music scene a whole lot more. And I want to have you and all these musicians in this area on because who the heck are you? I want to know, <laughs> and I want I, you know I want the listeners of Porch Talk to know, you know. Yeah, so that's I think a, that's a big deal to me. There's definitely people around town, and I'm sure, you know, the people I appreciate in Starkville are usually a little bit older than I am, um, which I think is fine. I think I think of um, like bands with Lee Graham. I'm always going to listen to. I think Lee Graham is an insane musician. Um, Old Memphis Kings now, um, Toughskins. He plays in the the Bold Old Donahues. If you ever go to those Irish shows at Dave's, those are super fun. Um, uh, Just following individuals is really helpful because most people in Starkville that love music are in like three or four bands. So you'll you'll see them everywhere. But um, yeah, just just kind of like having people that you know um, paying attention to them and seeing what they're doing, I think is like the key to kind of unlocking the Starkville music scene. Um, and just a, a great great thing is to just find those those festivals. I think uh, Cotton District Arts Festival is coming up in a couple months here. That That's a really great space for local music. Um, unfortunately, it, it probably won't happen until like April, but Delfest is probably, I think, the single most... Uh, concentrated place for Starkville musicians because you're just going to get everyone that's been in the Starkville music scene for the longest and help help it grow and there that's kind of like the place to find I don't know ta- if you're going to talent search that would be the place to go that I think. would be it yeah well right on dude well let's get out of here yeah thanks for having me cool Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.